Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I have with me a dear sister. I'm so excited to have her on the show, Juliana Rose Goldstone, and we are going to be discussing the boldly embodied divine feminine. Um, other than just a beautiful goddess, mama, friend, uh, Juliana and I met when we were doing our midwifery studies together years and years and years ago, and now we both find ourselves in the realm of sexuality. Interesting. Um, but let me just tell you a little bit about her. Juliana is a pleasure activist, a somatic sex educator, a certified sexological body worker, and birth worker. She is the mother of two wonderful wild children and supports people to source themselves deeply in the joy and power of their sexuality so that they can tend to themselves and the future generations with fiercely embodied love. She lives in Southern Vermont where she has a private practice and lifelong apprenticeship with the wild and poetic wisdom of the body. Welcome to the show, love. Much. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. So I'm going to ask you the question that I love to ask everyone who comes on this show. What are your superpowers? Hmm. I love this question. (laughs) So I think I would have to say my superpowers are about sourcing wisdom from the body and translating that sort of mysterious poetic language of the body into um, into action. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Can you say more about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our bodies are are giving us signals all the time. Our nervous systems are, you know giving us little messages about come closer, stay further away. Um, Yes. No. I like to think of our, of our bodies as like this ecosystem. Um, Mm -hmm. And so in such a fast paced world, I think it's easy to overlook some of these little subtle cues. So um, what I'm really interested in is, is the slowing down and the listening deeply uh, to these messages of the body and then being able to create language and space uh, for these messages to be useful guides in our interactions and in our lives and our relationships um, and everything else really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The slowing down piece. It's a, it's a big one right now. You know, even as someone who also studies this and and teaches it and and works with people with it, I ha- I find um, in my in my fast paced life, I can also need that reminder to slow down. Um, it's we're really speeding it up these days, so this work becomes even more important. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, will you tell? our listeners, because I'm sure a lot of them are like, what's a sexological body worker and what's a somatic sex educator? Will you 
tell us what that is and, and, uh, and what that means and why that is important. Absolutely. So sexological body work is a new emerging field over the last 10 years or so, I'd say. Um, and uh, the, the modality of sexological body work is um, a way for people to connect with their sexuality in, a, um, in an embodied way. So the, the modality of sexological body work can actually span lots of different, um, lots of different things from trauma work to, um, you know, inviting space for more pleasure in the body to, um, figuring out how to use our sexuality in other parts of our lives. Um, so sexological body workers are trained um, hands-on providers of touch in the genitals in um, with the intention of education and um, and healing so uh, depending on what a person is coming with oftentimes especially in uh, the population that I work with which is mostly mothers um, people will come to me with birth injuries or scar tissue. Um, and so I'm trained to be able to work with people's scar tissue, especially in the genital area, especially in the perineum. Many people have um, birth injuries. So uh, sexological body work is this really wonderful way that not only is it um, healing touch, but it's also educational so there's also we're also helping people understand like what is the anatomy here what is going on here um helping people have sort of a living map of their own of their own bodies um many people experience only experience um either sexual touch or clinical touch in the genitals and so i'd say sexological body work um is really a profound and beautiful experience for people to to have um, healing touch in this area of the body that is so incredibly um, charged and is also a holder of memories of sensation um, for many of trauma. Uh, so, so sexological body work is a is a group of hands-on tools that we're trained in. Now, uh, somatic sex education, I like to think of it as sort of an umbrella that contains the tools of sexological bodywork, of the hands-on work, should that be an appropriate way that the client needs to be worked with. Um, somatic sex education is really based in the nervous system. So we are trained in trauma resolution, um, we're trained in working, working with people at a pace so that their entire system is really on board. The nervous system is not being overridden. Um, and so somatic sex education is really about um, helping a person tune into the natural rhythm of their body. And oftentimes when there's trauma present, uh, a person has 
overridden in for various reasons, overridden these sort of natural cues mm-hmm. that the body has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somatic sex education is really about like tuning in deeply, slowing way down, listening um, to the messages of the body and helping a person connect with themselves in that way. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think it's, um, it's so valuable that, that you're offering this and that it's becoming more, more available. I think that, um, I don't know if it's just cause I'm in this field and so I'm seeing it more and more. Um, but I'm seeing it more and more and it, it, uh, I'm happy for that because it is, I feel like it, it provides an opportunity to really break down a lot of the stigma around sex and what sex is supposed to be and what our genitals are supposed to be. And that you're working with moms is just so huge. I mean, I'm sure that there are women whose interest has already been piqued just hearing this, this intro to what you're doing. Um, because there, there's so much that happens when we birth a child through our, through our vagina. Um, and and what our relationship with that area of the body becomes because of that experience. Um, yeah, there's a lot, and I want to I want to dive into that with you. We do have to um, go to a quick break, um, but when we get back, I definitely want to talk more about that. So, um, before we go to break, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work? Sure. Yeah. My website is um, boldlyembodied.com. And that is where you will find most of everything you want to know about me. (laughs) Awesome. So you can go to boldlyembodied.com. We've been talking with Juliana Rose Goldstone about the Boldly Embodied Divine Feminine and more when we return. So stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. All right, we're back. So, I mean, I shared in the intro that you and I met um, doing midwifery studies together, but let's talk a little bit more about, you know, motherhood and how that how that changes and impacts our relationship with our sexuality and our our feeling of of being divine Mm. yeah oh this is this is just something that is so near and dear to my heart and i and actually it's what sort of pointed me in the direction of um, becoming a somatic sex educator because I was working as a birth and postpartum doula for many years. And um, especially in the postpartum realm, I would often work with mothers who, you know, we'd have a consult, we'd talk about everything under the sun. And then usually in like the last two minutes, they'd say, and I'd say, is there anything else, you know, that you want to talk about or that you're thinking about? And they'd say, well, I haven't been able to enjoy sex like for, you know, 
<laughs> since I became pregnant, basically, you know, and is that normal? And, and then, so I felt like time and time again, um, there were women were experiencing this huge shift in their sexuality that was, you know, not only due to the physiological changes that happen in pregnancy and then birth and then the huge toll that, you know, a woman's body is just doing, taking care of a newborn. Um, but there was like this identity shift as well mm -hmm. that was really happening for people. And, um, and I just started to think, huh, there's got to be more resources for mothers who are experiencing this identity shift because there's such a deep grief and yeah. un unmet um, unmet questions around yeah, and, context. And we don't talk about it. And we don't talk about it. Yeah. 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 And so there, I feel like when, I mean, one of, one of my, one of the things I love the most about having this show is they get to talk about things that people don't often talk about because I think that, you know, it's the silence that breeds the shame. Absolutely. And when yep. we, when we can come together and we can say like, Oh wait, you're experiencing that too. It's like the shame gets a little smaller and I stop feeling like I'm the only one who's going through this. But when there's silence, we do, we tend to think we're the only ones. And that's why no one's talking about it because we're the only ones who are feeling like all of a sudden now we don't know how to have sex or our genitals have actually changed because we tore when we were giving birth and what feels good therefore changes. And yet we don't feel like we have the, the leeway or the, the space to really explore that change. Yeah. Um, Not to mention, you know, unresolved birth trauma that people don't talk about. So that just changes how a person is willing to be, vulnerable with their partner or you know open up their bodies and their hearts again so it's yeah there are all of these things that can be just kind of lurking under the surface that we don't talk about yeah yeah totally so what's a you know if you can sort of think just off the top of your head i'm i'm throwing this at you but what's one of the most powerful transformations you have witnessed with someone doing this work mm. You know, I think this is this is maybe speaking to not not one particular experience, but an overarching um, uh, theme that I think is really powerful that I've witnessed is is just the permission to claim this is important, to claim sexuality as important, and that is mm -hmm. often really all a mother is is needing and looking for is like oh i can i can seek support around feeling good in my sexuality because that's that's actually allowed um and that that breakthrough that transformation of like that matters it's not something that i need to just hold in shame or feel like i'm somehow a bad mother if this is important to me but just having the permission to be seen in like yeah, your sexuality matters. The fact that you don't feel whole is make in your sexuality is is causing unhappiness, and that's okay, and it's normal um, that you would feel that way. So I think that mm -hmm. is is often just like this gateway of transformation into many more possibilities. Yeah, because what happens when? we're not whole in our sexuality when we, when we wall ourselves off from that, it's like everything else is fine. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, it's like a, it's like a withering that starts to occur. Well, our, our sexuality is such a primal part of our identity, you know, and, and it really matters to people to be, to be seen and to be, um, to, to be able to express themselves sexually. I think in, you know, we can just look at sort of what's happening around us with, you know, gender identity and all of these things that are coming to the surface. Like it's really important for people to be, to, to be like, okay, my identity and my sexuality match my being and my sexuality match. I mean, that, that is something that is, has always been important for people. And I think um, mothers in particular, there's a, there's this dichotomy that's happened Mm -hmm. where, you know, you think of like the Madonna and the whore kind Mm -hmm. of talk, like one or the other, either you, you are the perfectly, you know, chaste and non-sexual mother or you're the whore, (laughs) like pick one. You can't have both. Um, Right. And yet, how are you going to have another baby? Right. Immaculate conception. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that to enjoy sex puts you in the whore category. And if you're a whore and a mom, well, then what? You're poor children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. And and so many people even, you know, people who are like, well, I'm not religious or I don't, you know, follow that particular dogma, but it's just it's really seeped into the overarching culture, religious. Oh, totally. Not. Totally. Yeah, and I think that's I'm glad that you named that because I think there is there are so many um silent ways that these beliefs are in operation sort of like in the shadows and hiding. Um, in the background of our psyches um, and they they come out in the smallest little ways but they wreak havoc mm. mm-hmm. yeah. Totally. yeah so what is your you know like you, if you could paint a picture for us of of what a boldly embodied mother looks like mm. yeah well, you know, in my in in my times of sort of as I was really looking into like what does it what does it actually mean to be like to to experience sexual wellness? What does that mean? Like it can mean so many different pe- things to so many different people. Um and so I actually sort of broke it down into these sort of four categories. Um And what it came down for me was the first most important thing of, you know, bold embodiment. And I actually got really geeky with it and I turned it into an act, into an acronym. Yes. I love it. (laughs) Give it to us, you know, (laughs) because why not? (laughs) So, and the acronym is bold. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the, the first, uh, sort of area of that is is boundaries, right? Mm. B for boundaries. So if we don't know, if we don't know our boundaries. If we don't know where we end and begin. If we don't know like what we're allowing in and what we're saying no to, then there's really no. That that's like the place to start. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the starting ground. So um, oftentimes I do a, a process with 
women called boundary restoration. And I really love to think of it like forest restoration. It's like, Mm. it's not just like, oh, we make a boundary, we stay in it. It's this rigid box. It's like, no, it's an ecosystem. It's a feedback mechanism. And how do we sort of restore it in this sort of more, almost with more of a permaculture sort of thinking of like, Mm -hmm. how will this how will me having an embodied sense of my yes and my no in this ever shifting sort of way um, carry, carry over and ripple out, not just for, you know, the, the woman who's doing the work, but to her children, to her partners. I mean, it just, it kind of ripples. So I really love to think of it as this ecosystem of, of boundary creation and, you know, many mothers are like, I have no idea. Like, I am so touched out. Like, I don't even know right. where my body begins and ends. And, you know, I've been overriding all of my own signals because, you know, my baby wakes up in the middle of the night. I'm like, no, 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 no. But of course, I'm like, yes, 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 at the same time. So mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of teasing apart, you know, to do to really get back into in touch with that. Yeah. And of, of course, again, the, the cultural storyline is kind of like, wait, a mom having a boundary with a kid? Like, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, right. <laughs> like you're not right. supposed to have boundaries with your children. They're supposed <laughs> to be able to run all over you. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a lot, there's a lot to restore there. And then from that place of, of boundary, like who am I? Cause really a boundary is like, it's like our, it's like our membrane. It's like, wh- what are we living within? What's our container? Mm-hmm. It's a really a juicy, beautiful exploration. So then from there, we can really start to look at, so, so that was B, and then we go into O, which is um, honoring the old stories. And this is where the you know, trauma resolution, this is where the sort of old stories that override, override what's actually true for us, mm-hmm. um, patterns of operation that we may be operating underneath that we don't even realize um old identities i'm sure yeah so that's where you know like what i mentioned before the madonna and horror archetypes Mm -hmm. you know whatever we may have inherited from our our mothers around around mothering Um, this is where we really get to explore like okay what are the old stories that i maybe don't need to to operate with anymore so, and then after that comes the L, which I like to think of it as the landscape. Like, um, what is what is your erotic landscape? Have you actually looked at your body since you've had a baby? Yeah. You know, so many women are like, nope, I am not looking. <laughs> I'm not looking down there. Or it didn't even occur to them that like, mm-hmm. hey, this this part of your body is yours. And you can touch it and you can look at it and you can do whatever you want with it actually. (laughs) Um, So this is, yeah, just getting acquainted with, with the landscape of our bodies. Um, Not only our genitals, but, but, you know, how do we give and receive um, interactions with our bodies and understanding that more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when after I tore really badly with that when I gave birth to Sana. And I remember that time period afterwards where I was like, I'm not looking. I, I don't want to look. Yeah. Cause I just wanted to cry. And it was like, it's kind of like, you know, when you skin your knee 
it doesn't hurt so bad until you see the blood. And then you see the blood. It's like, oh God, that really hurts. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't want to look. <laughs> I think it took me a year mm-hmm. to be willing to look. Yeah. 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 And just to be able to honor that process, you know, it's, it's powerful to just, um, you know, to be able to make that choice <laughs> and to mm-hmm. at least know that it's an option. Right. I think many women, you know, we're taught either like our, either our genitals are being looked at by our lovers or our doctors. <laughs> That's <Right>. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think a lot of women don't look at their genitals before they have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So then, then the final, the D stands for desire, which is, mm. so just being able to really, um, really like have an honest conversation with our desires, right? Because desire Desire is life force. When we have desires, we're moving towards something. We're we're uh, leaning into the possibilities that life has, and mm-hmm. so there's often so much shame around desire when it comes up. And um, being able to really look at it, and even being able to see how the how desires, especially around sexuality, because our sexuality is so uh entwined with our very basic primal instincts the desires and the preferences that we may have around our sexuality are actually like very deep bits of information about our about our psyche um so it's a really interesting exploration there as well yeah can you say more about that sure yeah so there's um i'll just reference there's this wonderful book called the erotic mind um and it's by a psychotherapist named Jack Morin. Um, and he basically said that the, I'm going to mess up the exact quote, but that we eroticize um, things in order to process them. So oftentimes um, he, and the book goes through a really interesting process of sort of using our erotic desire to sort of map and track back how we may be um, trying to resolve things from our past, even from our childhoods, through our erotic desire and through our sexuality. Sounds um, very Freudian in a certain yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It definitely has. There, there definitely is an aspect to that. Um, although I feel like Freud maybe had a bit more of a. There was a bit more of a pathological. Um, I don't know twist to sure, it. Sure. That's just my <laughs> my taking take of it. But um yeah, there's really a way of understanding like how are we how does how does our sexuality actually have a lot of wisdom for us um and how we may be processing um yeah processing things from our past, processing ancestral uh you know patterns. Can you give some examples? I'm like super intrigued. I've never really looked at it that way. So I'm, I'm very intrigued. I mean, yeah, yeah. to the level that you're talking about, because I know that there's a lot that we play out between the sheets. You know, I tend to more come at it from like a, our relationship to ourselves and our relationship to those around us. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, can you, can you give some more concrete examples of like what you've seen unfold in the work or? Yeah. So let's see, the first example that's kind of coming to mind here is um, I 
worked for a little while with a woman who um, was sort of, she actually came to me because she was wrestling with um, her, her sexual preferences and her desires. And they were sort of causing some, some conflict with her and her partner because her partner was like not entirely comfortable with what she was as, as she was sort of getting more comfortable with him as a, as a partner, these things were coming up. Mm. Um, and what it was for her was that she was really wanting to experience more, more dominance from him. Basically she was really wanting to um, have the experience of being dominated, not so much in a violent way, but just like in an, in an energetic, like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, we know who's in charge here. And so Mm -hmm. through this process of sort of tracking it back, tracking it back, um, you know, we sort of tracked it back to the fact that uh, she, her father had left her when she had left her mother when she was really little and she never really had like a very strong male presence in her life. Um, And she actually was the caretaker of many of her siblings. So she was sort of always in charge in some way. Um, Mm -hmm. And so through that process, it was like, well, it it actually makes a lot of sense that you'd want to have um, some dominant male energy in your life, Mm -hmm. because that was something that, that in, in a very formative age was a really deep longing. Yeah. Um, And, that wasn't fulfilled. And on top of that, she was, you know, needing to take on a lot of responsibility and almost and dominance in some ways uh, before she was ready. So through that process, we were really able to, she was able to really accept this part of herself as like, Oh, that's really like, that is actually the wisdom of my body, especially in that um, sort of raw primal space of sexuality is, is actually trying to get those needs met and is actually um, seeking healing. And I didn't even realize that I just, she was like, I just was so, I was feeling so ashamed because I didn't understand where it was coming from and I couldn't communicate it to my partner. Um, Did she find then that through coming to that understanding, she was able to communicate it to her partner in a way that she was able to have those needs met by him? Yeah. Yeah. He, she was able to communicate it and it made a lot of sense to him because he was a very nurturing, almost um, like she was drawn to him because he was very nurturing mm-hmm. and sort of uh, in some ways she described him as, you know, he had sort of a father energy. That was like what she really loved about him. Um, and so he was like, but I'm not, I'm not dominant. Like, I don't want to dominate you. I want to be nice to you. I want to take care of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so through those conversations, we were actually able to frame it so that um, those experiences of, of dominance were framed as care. And I was like, this is actually, um, this is actually care for her. And it made sense to both of their sort of, yeah, both of their psyches. Um, and yeah, they were able to sort of work out um, sexual experiences that were satisfying to both of them. So it was really exciting and it was a really revealing process to see those lights turn on. Like, oh, this isn't just like, you know, this isn't something to be shameful of. These these mm-hmm. urges that we have in our sexuality are, are really based in wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Totally. I love it. And I, I'm sure it served a role for him too. I mean, we don't, we don't come together with our partners by accident. I don't believe. I think we, there are very specific 
things we're playing out together and agreeing to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more conscious we can make those agreements, the more we can evolve through them. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, I love you. And I love that you came on the show today. And I love that you're doing this really super important work. Mm. Um, so I just want to say thank you mm. for that. Before we sign off today, is there anything that you really want to make sure um, you leave our listeners with that hasn't already been covered? Mm. Yeah, just, you know, our sexuality is, is our life force and it's such a gift to be able to, um, to listen to that really deep wisdom of our bodies. So yes I love the little ding went off in the background to affirm yeah (laughs) (laughs) so again you can find out more about Juliana and her work at boldlyembodied.com we have been talking with her today about the boldly embodied divine feminine And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us today. Come and join us if you have not already in the Superpowers Are Real Facebook group where you can learn more about our shows. You can tune into some really great Facebook lives that Tony and I have been doing. Um, And just come and join our community. Come and play with us. We'd love to have you in there. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.